Well, greetings. Uh, we are in our series uh, in Luke entitled Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And today we are going to see Jesus interacting with two different sinners and, uh, and seeing the response of both of those sinners. And it's going to open up for us maybe what some of our misunderstandings of Christ are and misunderstandings of ourselves are. And hopefully, in so doing, uh, we will all move into a right relationship with Jesus Christ as the one who fixes and heals and cures and uh, saves and forgives. Um, we are delighted that you're here this, uh, for this particular service um, and, uh, and welcome. Uh, the last couple of weeks, Andy has preached and Mark has preached, and I just want to acknowledge and thank them for using their giftedness on our behalf and in opening God's word. And uh, it's a delight that I get to be here with you for this service. We are in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36 and going through verse 50. And in this passage, we'll see that Jesus interacts primarily with two sinners. And uh, behind me is a bridge that is broken. Uh, I run by it fairly often. Uh, this is the path that Jim and I run on uh, right behind, behind us here. Um, and um, we look at this bridge and if you were to look further down the river, uh, Fox River, you would see that there's another bridge that is being used constantly. Uh, there is a bridge that's it's not broken and uh, it is functioning and there are sometimes uh, lines of traffic trying to get across that one bridge. Uh, but this bridge stands here unused. I have never in all the time that I've passed this bridge seen anyone cross the bridge. I've seen people climb out on the bridge, but I've never seen anyone cross the bridge. Uh, it is unsafe for travel. Now, there are other broken bridges. This one has a lot of bridge that is still functional. There is bridge that is uh, passable. You can get out on it. I've seen families actually walk out on the bridge and look out over the edge. Uh, but doesn't change the fact that the bridge is not functioning. In this passage, we are going to see two sinners. One who is maybe more broken. Maybe one who's been struggling with sin more. And, uh, and she recognizes that she desperately needs the bridge builder to come work on her. The one who is going to save her, the one that, who will forgive her. She's fully aware, just like everyone else around her, that she needs a savior. Uh, the other is going to be offended that he, anyone suggests that he needs a complete rebuilding of his bridge. And yet, he isn't functioning correctly. One receives forgiveness by the end of the story, and one does not. And we will, as we open this, we will get a view of the heart of Christ to save sinners like you and me. And we'll see how our heart towards other sinners can be very flawed and wrong when we recognize that we have received forgiveness from Christ. So will you turn with me uh, in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 36, we'll see that Jesus saves sinners. That's what he does. Jesus saves sinners. And our first point is that Jesus came to reach all sinners. In verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, 
brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. The first thing I want you to see is that Jesus is going to the Pharisee's house for dinner. Jesus wants to commune with the Pharisee. Now, we've seen Jesus go to Matthew's house and spend time with the tax collectors and sinners. And I, and I actually commented in that particular passage when I was preaching on it, I would love to see how Jesus interacted with the tax collectors and sinners. I would love to see how he made them feel comfortable and how he made them feel loved and how he, how he um, responded to people that might make us feel uncomfortable, people who are struggling with sin more than we are maybe, and yet Jesus is welcomed into their assembly and is comfortable with them in their assembly. Now Jesus is welcomed into the Pharisee's house and he moves into the Pharisee's house and reclines at the table and is eating with them. Why? Because Jesus came to save all sinners. He came to reach all sinners. He is reaching out to this Pharisee and I think sometimes we miss that in reading the scriptures that somehow we think of the Pharisees and the tax and the, and the Pharisees and the scribes and, and the uh, Sadducees as kind of the enemies of Jesus. And maybe that's what they became by the end, but Jesus is reaching out to them, trying to save them. And Jesus is reaching out to you and I, whether we are considered by others as great sinners, very broken, or whether we are considered by others as having our lives together and not much in need of a savior. Jesus came to reach all sinners. Well, he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And I want you to understand that coming in for a meal is different in the first century in the Middle East than it is for us today. If we were to welcome you into our home for dinner, you would sit at a chair and you would sit upright and um, there wouldn't be much reason to wash your feet and there wouldn't be much reason um, for placement at the table. There isn't much, uh, much for the position at the table. But in this age, um, at this time, when you went into the Pharisee's house, you would come into what was more public than what we're used to. If you came into my house, we would close the door and my neighbors might come over and knock on the door, but they would wait to be invited in. There was a more public nature to homes and courtyards. And it says that they were reclining at the table. And that means that when they came to eat, they were leaning on one arm and they, were, they would lay down on their side and they would eat with the other hand and their feet would be away from the table where they were eating. And that's how they would sit at the table and the ones with honor would sit at the closer to the guest, to the owner of the house and, and they would receive, receive, receive places of honor and if somebody came that had higher honor, they would be pushed down possibly out of that spot and be given, their spot would be given to someone of greater honor. So here Jesus is reclining at this table, eating with the Pharisee. Why? Because he loves the Pharisee and wants to reach the Pharisee and wants to address his sin problem. In verse 37 it says, Behold a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned 
that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. This woman comes in who is just titled a sinner. Uh, we, don't, we aren't told what her sin is. What is implied by it is that the town perceives her as a sinner, that the people of religious favor or honor see her as someone who is um, less than worthy of being in your presence, not to be touched. Now, is there a precedence in scripture? Yes, there is. In Proverbs, I can think of twice that, that the author of Proverbs advises his son to stay away from people of ill repute. In one case, he says, stay away from robbers. Stay away from those who would, who would turn your life towards evil. And in another case, he, he says, stay away from the harlot. Stay away from the woman who would draw you into her house and cause you to stumble. Walk on a different path. So there is a reason to stay away from sinners. Jesus isn't implying that sin isn't death, that sin isn't evil, that sin isn't wrong. When we say Jesus is a friend of sinners and Jesus saves sinners, we're not saying that Jesus likes sin or that Jesus likes you more if you sin more. Jesus came to save and reach all sinners. And when this woman who is titled a sinner comes in, and finds Jesus reclining at the table, this is not inappropriate that she comes into the meal. What's inappropriate from the Pharisee's perspective is that she comes anywhere near someone who is considered in a right standing with God. So, so she is considered a sinner and unclean for the religious community. And Jesus sees this woman come and, and she comes into the house or into the courtyard where we're having this meal. This is still a very public affair. That's not wrong. She gets up to Jesus' feet and she begins to pour out this flask of ointment, something very valuable, and wipes her feet uh, with her tears and with her hair. And the hair we know from the scriptures was the glory of a woman and she lets her hair down and she's wiping his feet with her hair. This is unbelievable worship. This is, this is an act of humility and, and possibly humiliation. And she is submitting herself to Christ because of what Christ has done for her. Because Christ has saved her from her sin. And she anointed his feet with her tears and with the hair. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. The Pharisee's offended. The Pharisee's offended that he wouldn't push her away or despise her or, or shove her off to the distance. And why is he letting her touch him? And he's offended. And Jesus, now there are many other people in this story. There are many other people at this meal. But God, for our purposes and what he's trying to explain in the heart of God and the heart of Christ, he uses only these three. The only three people are responding here. He sees this woman come in and, and he responds to the woman and now he's responding to Simon, this Pharisee. And he says in his mind, if he were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. Now he hasn't said this, he's saying it to himself. 
And Jesus perceives that he's saying this to himself. Now, does that mean that Jesus uh, is using his supernatural power to read his mind? Possibly. Jesus is both God and man. But Jesus also can see what all of the rest of us see. Do you think the woman didn't know that she was despised? Do you think the woman didn't know that she didn't belong? Do you think the woman didn't know that she was being rejected by everyone with their eyes as she came into the room? Do you think the woman didn't know that everybody else was pulling away from her? Jesus read the room and Jesus saw not only how people responded to this woman, and she, he also saw how people uh, were responding to him, responding to the woman. That people are now pushing him away because he is showing love for this sinner and letting her worship him and give him love and thanks. So he says in verse 40, Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Now, don't make uh, the mistake of believing that at this point, Simon is showing respect to Jesus. Simon is judging Jesus. Simon is looking at Jesus and saying, how can you love sinners like this? How can you let sinners into your life like this? They've already been offended by the fact that Jesus went into Luke, uh, Matthew's house and ate with the tax collectors and sinners. He has been uh, titled derisively friend of sinners, and we are using that as the title of all of Luke. Jesus, friend of sinners, like this woman and like this Pharisee. So he says, I have something to say to you. Why is Jesus responding to Simon? Because Jesus is trying to help Simon understand that his bridge is broken also. That his bridge is impassable also and not functioning. And there is going to be a moment where what the woman leaves with her bridge fixed and your bridge, Simon, is going to remain broken because you're offended that you're on the same playing field as this woman. Well, verse 41, we move from Jesus came to reach all sinners to Jesus recategorizes sinners. Jesus recategorized sinners. In verse 41 to verse 47, it says a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she, was, she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. He says to Simon, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Jesus does not imply that one has not compiled more sin. Jesus does not imply that one is not more broken. He is not suggesting it's a good thing that one has acquired more sin. He's not suggesting that it's a good thing that sin ever comes into our lives. Some have said to themselves, well, if God is going to forgive my sin, well, why not sin some more? 
And some have said to themselves, well, Jesus wouldn't care so much if I sin. It's just a mistake. The truth is, sin is what brought Jesus to the cross. Sin is what broke God's heart and separated us from God and broke the bridge that led to God, a right relationship with God. And we had sin in our lives and that's what broke us. He's come to fix the sin problem and battle sin and death. He hates sin. And yes, one has a debt of 500 denarii, 500 days of work, basically, that this is an unpayable debt. And the other one had 50 denarii, 50 days of work. But in both cases, neither one could pay the debt. He says he canceled the debt, but um, they, they could not pay either one of them. They owed, they, in verse 42, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? He's implying that they need a bridge builder, that they need somebody to come in and fix this problem, both of them, both Simon and the woman. And the woman has already had her bridge repaired. She's already been forgiven. And she's already found her right relationship with God, but Simon has not. And his bridge remains broken and he doesn't, he not only doesn't love Jesus, he's judging Jesus. He's pushing Jesus away. He holds Jesus at length and is deciding if Jesus is worthy of his hospitality. Simon answered in verse 43, Jesus, he turns it to love, by the way. Now, which of them will love more? This is about a loving relationship with God and God loving them and them loving God. And God wants to, Jesus wants to invite Simon into this loving relationship. Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? And I want to pause there. Do you see this woman? Do you see the person that you're judging? Do you see them? You know, there are people maybe who are watching this sermon and who are watching this service online. And they may not even be comfortable coming into a church. Because in churches, people don't see them. They see the fact that they struggle. The fact that they're failing, the fact that they know that they've sinned, they know that they're hurting, they know that they've wandered away from God, but they come to church and they feel like everybody in the room is trying to convince them that they've wandered away from God and convince them that they're not worthy and that somehow they need to clean their stuff up before they come back. And that is so not what is supposed to happen in the church. Do you see this woman? Simon, it's, he's not asking her if you can physically see her. He's asking, have you looked? Do you see what she's doing? She's here. She's showing up at my feet to get her bridge built and fixed. And can't you see her? Do you see this woman? I entered your house, speaking to Simon. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. At this time, if you wanted to show honor to a guest, you washed their feet because they'd been out on a dirty road and before they came to eat, they would want to clean. So you gave them the opportunity to wash their feet, but he didn't even provide water for, for, for the washing of feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. The right question is, Simon, why haven't you come to me and worshiped? Why haven't you come to me for forgiveness? Why haven't you come to me for help? 
Verse 45, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. This woman came and took the ridicule of other people and walked through that ridicule and got to Jesus and, and worshiped him and, 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 and laid herself at his feet, physically, literally. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Now, Jesus says that her sins are forgiven, but her sins were forgiven, and therefore she loved. That's what the parable implies, that there was a debt that was owed of 500 denarii. And when that debt was paid, she is now coming and responding. And now he says, look at her. You can see the signs that she is forgiven. You can see the signs that her bridge is restored. You can see the love that is coming from her, which is the right response to have our bridges spiritually rebuilt. Now, I titled this section, the recategorization, the, that, that Jesus recategorized sinners. Why? Because the category, how, how sinners were categorized before this meal, before Christ came, sinners were categorized on based on whether they owed 50 denarii or 500 denarii, based on whether they had failed in marriage or succeeded in marriage, based on whether they had struggled with addictions or not struggled with addictions, based on whether they had pleased their parents or not pleased their parents based on whether they had succeeded in business or not succeeded in business, run up debt they couldn't pay or paid all their debts. We categorize sinners based on those who are functioning in this world or not functioning as well in this world. And Jesus recategorizes based on those who receive forgiveness and those who do not receive forgiveness. And what's the difference? It's the, the posture that people have before Christ, not the size of the debt. Jesus is willing to forgive your sins whether you have sinned much in the eyes of man or not sinned much in the eyes of man. The, before God, before the gospel, all of our bridges are broken. Before the gospel, all of us are in need of a savior. And all of us should respond with the shock that God would save us. The question isn't why was Jesus allowing this woman to wash his feet and worship at his feet. The question is, Simon, why aren't you washing Jesus' feet and worshiping at his feet? Why aren't you receiving forgiveness? There are maybe two types of sinners that are listening to the sermon. The one who believes that they are better than the rest. The one that is offended that Jesus would include sinners that are, that we were taught to stay away from. The, the ones who, and then there's also the type sinner who is, feels like they'll never measure up and feel like they don't belong when they come to church and feel like they'll, they're just failure upon failure. And I want you to know that both sinners are invited to come to Christ. And the only ones that will come away saved are the ones that receive that forgiveness from Jesus Christ and come and worship and love him. Those are the ones that are saved. Jesus categorizes based on faith based on worship, based on love, based on humility. 
Jesus came to reach all sinners. Jesus recategorizes sinners based on their faith. Finally, Jesus saved some sinners. In verses 48 to 50, it says, And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus said to her, he looks at the woman, and it's, it's almost like there's no one else in the room except her and Jesus. And he says that your sins are forgiven. And that's how it can be for you today. That's how it can be for me today. We can, in our homes, come into Christ's presence and we don't need anyone else around. And we can have a personal conversation with God through Jesus Christ and we can hear the words in our hearts that you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But look at what happens with the rest. In verse 49, Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here we see those who have been categorized as the ones who received forgiveness and the ones who were still judging and still asking, how can this man say he can forgive her? How can this man say that he forgives sins? Who is he to say that I need to be forgiven? Who is he to say that I need to change something? Who is he to say that I'm not in a right relationship with God? Dear friends, God came in Jesus Christ to save some sinners. Who are the some that he's going to save? The ones who aren't offended by the fact that he came to save you. The ones who recognize that their bridge is broken and they are in desperate need of a savior. The ones who recognize that Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the one who came to seek and save the lost. And whether you have 500 denarii as your debt or whether you have 50 denarii as your debt, the truth is that you too are in debt to God and your bridge is broken and it's not functioning. And there is no one passing from here to there, from sin to life across that bridge. But Jesus has come to save. And the sinners that he will save are the ones that receive that forgiveness, that receive that relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's about a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, you and your home can worship at the feet of Jesus Christ as a forgiven Savior. And today, as a Christian, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've forgiven, you can stop judging other people and, and, and pushing them away. Yes, we need to stay away from sin that will drag us down. I, I believe that. But at the same time, there is no room for judging and pushing sinners away and not allowing them to get to Jesus Christ or not wanting them to get to Jesus Christ and be saved. We are on equal footing and in desperate need of a Savior as they are. And if, if we were not hindered from coming, we should never hinder somebody else from coming. Jesus came to save some sinners, and we should be bringing as many as we can to be saved. Behind me is a broken bridge. I don't know why it stands there as a useless way of transporting from one side to another. 
I don't know why it stands there, uh, half built with a tree lying over it and, and uh, the water rushing over what remains of its brokenness. But it stands in the shadow of a bridge that is functioning, where life is on that bridge and, and passing over that bridge and you see traffic constantly crossing that bridge. What I want you to know is that that life with God can be flourishing and functioning for you, for eternity. And all you need is a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. Some may think their bridge is too broken. And I would tell you there's no such thing. Some would say, I don't belong in church. <laughs> well, none of us do. That's the truth. Not one of us is worthy of grace. That by very definition is what grace means. None of us are worthy of it. It's a free gift. Some of you might say, well, I want to go to a church with, you know, uh, people that only own 50 denarii. I only want to go to a church with people that were good their whole lives, that came from good families and have done basically good things from our perspective. And I would argue that isn't the church. We don't, we aren't the Lord of the church and we don't get to pick who comes to the church. In fact, if we are right with God and we're in a right loving relationship with God, we should be so busy worshiping Jesus that we want to everyone to come because we know Jesus loves them. And Jesus came to save sinners like you and me. Dear friends, I pray that today is the day that you choose to receive the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus Christ. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you came to save. That your master builder, Jesus Christ, came to restore this world and to gather together those sinners who would be saved. I pray today that some would hear the truth of your heart, that Jesus came to befriend sinners. And I pray that they would offer themselves to you, offer themselves to you maybe for the first time. And for those Christians who have been offended that you love and seek sinners of all kinds, I pray that they would stop judging and busy themselves with love. It's in the precious name of my Savior, Jesus, I pray. Amen.